we're going to talk about Acts today. We, Moses started preaching to you guys a couple weeks ago about sort of the end of Paul's journey, right, and the end of 2 Timothy. And then Phil spoke to you last week about sort of the beginning of the promise. So for the next three weeks, we're going to go through the middle, right, through the journey part. That's a part some of us do not like, right? The beginning is really fun, and the end is sometimes really fun if it works out the way we want. But the middle no, no, I'll just skip right over that. But this is a really important part of Acts where we get to see the middle and look at the strength that comes from the space in between, right? That's really important. So we talked about encountering God at the All Church Retreat, if you were there with us in April. We had this, this whole weekend about encountering God, and that continues to be our goal in this church is that you would encounter God on a daily basis if possible, right? What better thing to encounter on a daily basis than that? But today we're going to talk about it through the lens of how God encountered Paul, in Acts 9. And so notice I said Paul's encounter with God reversed, right? God's encounter with Paul because God comes to Paul and finds him in this place and he approaches Paul. Um, and this is where we see Saul at the time, he then turns into Paul, ask the all-important question, who are you, Lord? And I want us to think about that question today. So I love this story. Let's read it, and then we're going to take it apart a little bit. Shay's going to put it up on the prompter for me, so I don't have to get my glasses on and squint at my Bible. So thank you, Ms. Shay. Um, so we're in Acts 9. I'm going to read the first 22 verses. So it's a story. So let's, let's think about it as putting ourselves in this place, right? We're in this place of Saul at the time, and he is in full-on attack, on the Christian believers, on the Jesus followers, right? And so it says, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So the men who were with Paul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. And he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man named Tarsus, from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard so many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized and afterward ate some food and regained his strength and stayed with believers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. All who heard him were amazed. That's where we're gonna stop on the scripture. Listen for right now, and then I'll have you put up the last part in a minute. Thanks, Shay. 
Listen, this story is about a transformation from a man named Saul who was persecuting believers doing God's work to the transformation of him being Paul doing God's work. Let's talk about how that could possibly be one and the same person, right? Paul knew of God. He was Jewish. He, he understood who God was. He understood that, or he thought he was fighting on God's behalf, right? He thought, but God quickly let him know he was fighting him. The transformation is the difference between knowing of God and knowing God. So I want you to think about that for a minute, right? Do I know of God? Do I know who he is? Do I understand him conceptually? Do I understand the Bible and the scripture and how to find him in there? Or do I know him intimately in my soul? Does he stand next to me on a daily basis? Can I hear him? Do I have a relationship with him? We see this model of the encounter with Paul and then we see the next steps. And this is God encountering Paul, right? Coming to him saying, you're my child. I want you to work for me, not against me. I want to bless you in ways that I can't possibly do until I open your eyes to the risen Jesus, right? Let's talk about the story. Where did Paul meet God? So he already knew of God. He already knew of him. He understood who he was. He had served him for a long time in the way that he served him, right, under Jewish law and, and adhering to the Jewish laws, and then believed that he was correct in persecuting the, the Jesus believers. He believed they were wrong and that he was doing what he should do by seeking them out, right? And listen, we could preach this part of Acts about 5,000 different ways. We could go for months in this book, right? Phil told you all that last week too. We could just go on and on and on. But I want to preach this through the lens today of where do you meet God? How do you go from knowing of God to knowing God? So I want you to think about that today. I want you to think about what your relationship is with God right now. Do I know of him? Is he a concept? Is he somebody in the Bible that I understand conceptually? Or do I know him? Do I understand how much he loves me? How much he wants to put his power over my life? How much he wants to equip me? How much he wants to show me his peace? Do I understand that? So I want to talk about your moments of transformation, right? So let's, let's look at Paul. We're, we're talking about his moment of transformation where he went from understanding God in a conceptual level to understanding him and knowing him and believing in him, right? And it says in the, in the next part of that verse that I didn't read to you, it says in the next part of that verse as we go down that Paul immediately gets up and goes into the city and begins preaching about the wonder of God. He immediately gets up and says, now I can serve God in a different way. I know him. I understand him. I can talk about him in a different way, right? What's your transformation into the, the concept of knowing of God to knowing God? So Paul had many different encounters with God. If you continue to go through the book of Acts, and we will, Alicia's going to preach, and then we've got a few more sermons before at Jasmine before we get through um, the, this series on Acts. We're going to see more of Paul's journey but this is one of the first encounters with the real risen Jesus where he understands who he is and has a relationship start with him and starts to talk about his power and glory there in the city. We have to revisit the times where we've met God. So I want you to think about that right now. Where have you met God? Where he's come to you in an intimate way, whether he's encountered you or you've encountered him and you've said, this is my God. This is my moment with him. Nobody else is involved in this. Nobody else gets to have a part of this. This is my intimate, individual time with my God. That's what happened there with Paul. Although there was other people on the road with him, God was coming to him. 
right? And the, and the all-important question that Paul asked, who are you, Lord? When do we ask that question, who are you? What is our relationship? Do you know me? Right? How do we continue to step into these places of transformation? It's not a one-time event. We aren't made perfect in that one-time event, but we are made given access to God's perfection over and over and over. And the only place that you'll ever get close to perfection is to stand in the presence of your God, to stand in the presence of your creator, right, and be with him. We have to wake up, take the sludge off our eyes, right? It talks about that in, the, in that passage that Paul wakes up and he's blind and he takes the sludge off his eyes. What is keeping us from seeing God in the most clear, pure way? What is the world attached to our eyes? What have you allowed to get in the, in the sight line between you and God? We have to look at that and say, how do I pull that sludge off? In Paul's case, it was believing he was doing God's work in the midst of persecuting God's people. Probably not the smartest idea, right? God takes care of that really quick. Now listen, we would all love to have this moment where God comes down, the light shines on us, and God says, you, let's go, right? He will do that. He will do that. Some of you have already had that moment. Some of you already had that moment where he's come down and said, you, right there, let's go. I want to know you. I want to understand you. I want you to know me, and I want you to come with me. I have work for you to do. I have things to give you and blessings to bestow. And if you haven't had that moment with him, what are you waiting for? Right? This is the nerdy part of me. Like, let's go. What are we waiting for? Where are we going to find him on that road? Right? We have to wake up. The sludge comes off and we start our kingdom journey. And if you've already started your kingdom journey, let's level up. Right? Let's level up. I was in a meeting this week talking about the women's retreat. And one of the ladies said, we need to level up. I was like, oh, I like that. I like that idea, right? Because that's what Paul does. He knew God. He wasn't trying to work against God. He didn't understand his relationship with the risen Jesus. And once he understood that, he could level up in his relationship with God and his understanding of what God needed him to do in the kingdom in every situation, in every circumstance, right? Paul continued to level up as he went through the rest of his life. And you see that as we go through the rest of Acts and, and a lot of his writings. Um, and we're going to talk about that for the next few months. It's, it's exciting stuff, but it's never a done deal, right? The transformation is ongoing. But one of his first statements in verse 20 is, he is in, this is what Paul says. He says, he is indeed the son of God. Listen, that is a loaded statement. Do you know him as the son of God, do you understand what that means? And if you don't, do you want to understand what that means? Jesus is the son of God. He came for you, right? Just like he came for Paul on that road going to Damascus to say, I see you and I want you doing my kingdom work and I want to bless you and equip you and give you power, right? Do we know Jesus that way? If you were to say, and we do this all the time, right? We sing these wonderful lyrics in here with this incredible worship team we have. And I often have to think about what I'm saying because it's such loaded statements, right? You are indeed the son of God. What does that mean to you personally? What does that mean to you? Is he real to you? Is this God that we talk about on Sundays that we talk about in community group, we open our Bible and look at, is he real to you? Can you reach out and touch him? Can you reach out and access what you need from him? Can he reach out and encounter you and access what he needs from you, right? I was thinking about this 
because it's kind of this idea of where he became real to Paul. And I was thinking about this, like, when did God become real to me? I've been a Christian my entire life. I've been in church my entire life. I'm really old, and I and really old. Um, and I've been in church my whole life. But there was a time in my younger years where God was a concept to me, right? I understood. I went to church. I listened to the preacher. I listened to him pray. And I went back to the other six days of my life. God was there. I understood. He was a concept. But he wasn't real to me. And so I was thinking about this. When did he become real to me? And, and so I remember I was 20 years old, working at Chili's Restaurant, way back when Chili's was new. Um, and... And uh, I was a waitress, and my mom called me and said, you need to come to the hospital. Your dad had a heart attack. And you, can't, you cannot come up with a bigger scenario that would take my knees out from under me than to tell me my dad was in the hospital having a heart attack. Like, you can't, there's, now you can, because there's a child back in the back of the room that would, you could take my knees out, but she wasn't around then. Um, but that, that statement is the thing that, it just took my knees out. So I remember going to the hospital and standing in the parking lot of this hospital in middle America, right? I grew up in Yukon, Oklahoma. If you draw a line on a map, it's right down middle America. It's in the middle of the map, in the middle of nowhere, right, in the prairie. I remember standing in this parking lot. I knew God. I knew of him. I had been in church my whole life. And I remember standing there in this dirty Chili's apron, right, food all over it food on my shoes. If you've ever waited tables, you know you're just covered in grease all the time. I remember standing in this parking lot this dirty apron. I got on my knees and I said, God, I need you to be real right now. I need you to be real. And I know for a fact that that was when God became real to me. He was not a concept anymore. I need to come to you. I need to encounter you in a different way right now, right in this moment. I need you to speak to me about what's going on in that hospital because I didn't understand and I needed to go to my all-knowing father to understand about the earthly father, that the idea of losing him would have taken me out, right? And he, and he recovered um, from that. He, he died nine years ago, but in that moment, in my 20-year-old self, I needed God to show me that he was real, that he knew me, that he understood what I was feeling, that he was covering in power my dad and my life and the things that were going on. I needed to know him. I needed to see that he was real. And then I thought about that. That's the first time I felt like I encountered him. I felt like he came down and said, I'm here. He didn't promise me anything. He didn't change the circumstance because my dad was still in the ICU. But he came down and, and he said, I'm real. I see you. I'm here with you. I'm not a concept in that book over there on your bedside table. I'm a real living Jesus who wants to sit with you in grief who wants to sit with you in prayer and anxiety, who wants to sit with you in joy, who wants to sit with you in every emotion. And I understood him for the first time there. And then, obviously, there's been a transformation after that, right? That's when I was 20. I'm 50, almost 53 now. There's been so many instances of that where he's shown up for me that way. But it was the first time that I even thought I can encounter my God, I can spend time sitting at his feet, and he will speak to me and love on me and empower me and give me peace. It was a totally different concept to me. So where do we need to encounter him? I want you to think about that. Where have you encountered him? Revisit the place you've encountered him. I guarantee you throughout Paul's life, well, I don't guarantee. He hasn't told me this. I think, I shouldn't say I guarantee. Paul and I have not had a conversation about this. But I would 
be willing to venture that many times over Paul's journey, he revisited that moment in his mind where God showed up on that road and said, I see you. Let's go. I've got you. I've got things for you to do, right? So where do we need to see him? Where do we need to know him, not just know of him? It's an action on our part. It's an action on God's part. Listen, if you ask God to find you and encounter you, he's coming. Get ready. He's never going to turn down that request. He's going to come, but you got to be looking. And if you got all the sludge over your eyes and all the junk in the way and all the things that cause a barrier between you and God, we got to remove those things. we got to get them out of the way because you won't be able to see, right? And that's what God was telling, was telling Saul at the time. You can't see me. You don't know me. Let's get the junk off. Let's get it out of the way so that you can see me and understand me in a better way, right? God took action. He found his child. He showed up for him. And then Paul showed up for God, right? That's what we see after that. He immediately got up. He said, he is indeed the risen son of God, and I will serve him. I will go and preach his word. I will cause more believers to come into the fold, right? It's not a one-way road, Believing in God and God becoming real through repeated encounters are two different things. The devil believes in God. He knows him. He knows he's real and he knows the scripture. But you have the distinct advantage and benefit of knowing God in an intimate way where you can encounter him and have him speak into your life and have him love on you and have him be involved in every single thing and be able to do work with him and for him in partnership, right? We can all have an encounter like Paul. That's just the beginning. We have to have repeat encounters. We have to continue to be God's hands and feet, right? And I love in verse 15 where God tells Ananias, Paul is my chosen instrument, Uh, hello, I would like God to say that about me, right? Do we want to be the chosen instrument? Can you imagine? What better better thing can God bestow to say you are my chosen instrument? Man, I want to be paying attention. I don't want anything in the way of that statement, right? He tells Ananias he's my chosen instrument. We all have a transformation story. What is yours? Right? You may not have a road to Damascus moment where the light shines down and you're stricken down on the ground and you become blind. And I mean, if you do, come tell me. Like, let's talk about that business. I want to know all about that. But you may not have that because that may not be the way that God encounters you. He's going to encounter you in the way that he knows you'll see him and hear him because he made you. And he knows exactly how he comes to you, right? God comes to me forcefully and loudly. Shocking, huh? That he would need to talk to me forcefully and loudly. Comes to me the way he wired me, right? He's going to come to you in the intimate way that he knows you, and he's going to speak to you, and he wants to encounter you. I can't imagine, I was praying over the sermon, all I could hear was God saying, man, I want to encounter my people. That's what he wants, right? If you haven't had your road to Damascus moment, how do we push in closer, right? How do we have the beginning of the road revealed to us? How do we get on that road? How does he become the living, breathing God in our daily life instead of a concept? How do we do that, right? Can we hear him? Do we know the God we serve? Do we know his voice? I was listening to Brooks and Dunn music. God speaks to me in really weird ways, right? Um, I was listening to Brooks and Dunn song, and one of the lines says, I raise my hands, and I bow my head, and I find more truth in the words written in red. Man, the words written in red are the words Jesus spoke There's the truth right there, right? 
We've got to get in there and make those words written in red be living, breathing words to us. It's Jesus talking to you. It's not him talking to somebody centuries ago that you can't access. He's speaking to you. When you get out the Bible and you open it, if you have a red letter Bible, good on you, right? It shows you. You don't even have to figure it out. This is Jesus talking, right? When you do that, pray over that and then think, I am sitting in an encounter with Jesus and he is speaking straight to me. He is talking to me. Because he will encounter you in the most mighty way in those spaces if you give him space to do that, right? That's where we begin to know God. That's where we begin to understand him. Listen, this isn't an easy process. If you, if you read through the rest of Acts, you're going to be like, uh, I don't want all that junk that Paul walked into. Like, um, right, Alicia's going to talk to you guys about some hard stuff next week. When, because part of ministry, part of kingdom work, right, we won't say ministry, kingdom work in general is hard. You're a human and you live in a broken human world and part of this stuff is hard. Right? But God wants you to be his chosen instrument in those moments. Those lyrics in that song go on to say, there's more to life than just what I can see. This can't be all there is, I believe. Right? And we go back to verse 7 where it says, they heard God's voice, but they couldn't see him. God will speak to you in all kinds of different ways. Even if you don't have the light come down and envelop you, he'll speak to you in all these different ways, Right? There has to be more than the Bible on the bedside table as a book. There has to be more. It's a living, breathing document to speak into your life. It was written by people who God chose to speak to you now in 2022. We have to make that more than that, right? Paul had to have the sludge taken away from his eyes to begin to have faith, not to just to understand God, to see him and absorb his truth, to see the truth in the red letter words. It's really important to understand that. Another, their song, another one of their songs brings me back to this place on that, on that blacktop parking lot, right, where I was sitting there with God, and he became real to me. And it talks about the place where I turned a corner in my soul. Where do you need to turn a corner in your soul and come face to face with the God who loves you, the God who made you, the God who needs you? Where do you need to turn a corner in your soul where you find Jesus, Right? We need to meet him and start the journey of that kingdom work. Paul immediately began praising him and speaking of who he was, telling people, this is what God has done in my life. Look at this powerful God I serve. You have the best news anybody has. Open your mouth and share it with everybody you can. Look at the God I serve. Look at what he's done for me. You're like, I'm not doing that. I live in New York. You know what will happen if I tell somebody, look at the God I serve? You know what they'll say to me? Listen. Get into Acts and look at what Paul had to do. Here's what I think they won't do. I don't think they'll drag you out of the city gates and stone you and leave you for dead. And that is what they did to Paul. So you're already one up on what he had to do, right? I don't think that'll happen. If it happens, call me. I'll come, right? We'll kick some butt together. I don't think it'll happen. But, but so you're already one up on what happened to Paul. But you got to get in there. you got to figure out what God has for you. What does he want you to do? Right? Where does he want you to be? How does he need to use you? Part of this testimony workshop that Renee is running is this idea of, do I know what my testimony is, and do I understand how to share it with other people? Right? Because we can often read these things in the Bible where it says, Paul got up and he began speaking and he began praising. You're like, great, I don't know how to do that. It might just be just as easy as having a conversation. And when you look in the rest of Acts, that's what Paul was doing, was just giving his testimony. He was just saying, these are the things that have occurred to me. These are the things that have happened in my life. Here's the real powerful God I serve. Let me show him to you. 
Let me tell you about my encounter. Let me bring you into it and let me help you find your own encounter, right? It's really, really important. It's not just head knowledge, guys. It's heart knowledge. As I was thinking through this sermon series with the pastors and we were talking about it, I started thinking, man, this idea of the other six days of the week, me standing right next to God, being like, let's talk. Let's figure out what it is you need me to do. Let me hear how much you love me. Let me hear how much you see me. Right? New York City can be a lonely place. Isn't that amazing with millions of people? It can be a lonely place. You are never alone. You have a chance to encounter God every single second. If that's what you want to do, he will never turn down that time with you. He'll never turn down that encounter with you. Think about where you need to turn a corner in your soul. Where do you need to come face to face? And let's get after it. Because I promise you, there is so much waiting there for you, so much waiting there for, your, for the kingdom of God that he wants you to be part of. We've got to encounter him, right? We need to look at Paul and say, okay, this guy was going the other direction. Listen, don't tell me that you can't find God. Paul was about the most jacked up dude going at that time, right? Killing people, running around actively saying, hey, will you sign this so I can kill a whole lot of people? Now listen, in my army days, I would have been like, yeah, but not now. That's not, no, no, no. That's not what we're doing, right? We're not doing that. I would have been with him like, cool. We get to kill large amounts of people? Like, gives you a little window into my psyche. I'm not sure you needed that. Anyway, that. We have, we have um, a West Point student here who's thinking, man, I'm not joining the army. That lady's crazy. Um, but this idea that Paul was actively going around saying, sign this so I can kill people, right? It sounds crazy. And then gets up off the ground, goes into the city, gets a sludge off his eyes, and then says, let me empower those people. Let me love those people. Let me bring peace to those people. Let me show them the God I know. Man, if we can just get a little bit of that. If we can just get a little bit of that, the power in this room, in this broken world we live in, can you imagine what you all can do, what you can put out there? It's huge. And the Bible tells us you have everything you need to do it. I need you to absorb that and own that and know that. You are a chosen child of God, just like we sang today. You are chosen. You are a chosen instrument. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful for this time together. So grateful just to be able to look at the way you encountered your people, the same way you're gonna encounter us. There's no difference. We have all the same benefit. We praise you for that. Lord, I just ask, I just ask for peace over our souls as we try to turn that corner and look you in the face. We try to see you real for the first time in some cases. And if it's not the first time, Lord, that you would just show yourself in a bigger way that we'd be able to access you in a deeper way. Lord, we ask for your protection over this process, but we really ask for your joy to be infused in this process, that we would see this idea of being transformed as something to go after wholeheartedly with joy and expectancy about what you'll do. So grateful for these people. So grateful for everyone that you've allowed to have access to these stories and to the real you. We're grateful for your son. We're grateful for everything that you've done for us. We lift this, this community up to you. We ask for your blessing in your son's holy name.